Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How efficient do you think you are? And does efficiency matter to you? What do you think about efficiency? Is it just being fast? We have an efficiency expert. Actually, she's the author of The Efficiency Bitch, and we're going to talk to her in just a minute. I'm super excited. Your relationship with money matters. I'm Michelle Perkins, and this is the Money and You podcast, where I will be breaking down your relationship with money, offering tough love money tips, and a money dating plan that will focus on lifting the barriers to success to help pave the way for better money practices and increased wealth. It's time to take control to live a limit-free life. It starts today. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Money and You Show. I'm your host, Michelle Perkins. Can't wait for today's show. Efficiency keeps coming up in my life, and we're going to address it today with somebody who really has studied this. Melissa Leone is a 20-year finance and accounting professional passionate about teaching women to manage time and money. Melissa co-owns Two Cents Consulting, a bookkeeping and fractional CFO firm, and is the podcast host host and author of the number one bestseller, Efficiency Bitch. Melissa has climbed the corporate ladder while raising three small children and uses B-I-T-C-H to teach the five pillars of having it all without doing it all. Melissa has a message. Don't let them tell you that you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can. You just have to adjust your recipe. Learn to fall in love with your future self, take inventory of tasks, and one by one begin to automate, delegate, and eliminate until you are left with just the ones you love. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy you are here. This is great. And uh, we had a fun conversation before the show, and I'm super excited for people to meet you. And uh, thank you for Zooming in from Arizona. So let's talk about this. Um, I told you before the show, efficiency just keeps coming up. And so now, you know, when you know you're having somebody coming on to talk about efficiency, all of a sudden you have all these efficiency dilemmas in your life. And um you know, things come up and people people differ in how they define efficiency. I was just having this little argument mm-hmm. with my husband and he's like, the faster you do something, uh, the more efficient it is. And I was thinking, well, no, you got to do it right. Otherwise, it's yeah. efficient in the moment. And then after the fact, you're like cleaning up a mess that was created by the speed with which you did something. So um, talk to me about your book and how you how you got to the place of writing this book. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite a long story. I'll try to keep it short. Um, first, I'd say to your husband, efficiency isn't necessarily about speed. It, In my definition, it's about making something better for the future. Um, so my favorite thing to talk about is how to make my future self as happy as possible. And that's really how it all began for me. I'm a mom. I have three little kids. Uh, today, they're 7, 9, and 11, although they're all having birthdays in the next three weeks. Um, (laughs) So that I would have to change that here in a couple days. 
but, but I also climbed the corporate ladder. I built a business, you know, all of the things at the same time. And I'll tell you, none of them I did quickly. None of them I did haphazardly. They all came um, with some intent and one step at a time. And I've, I've, I've mastered this art, I think, of, of being efficient and being deliberate with the way I spend my time and my money. Very nice. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's it's not a departure. I mean, when you're doing bookkeeping and accounting services, you have efficiency in mind because that's really mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting because people think, you know, it's it's just um, crunching these numbers to get to some reports. But really, efficiency is a huge part of what you provide people or ideas for that. Do you want to just speak to that for a minute? Yeah, actually, it's one of the biggest things I tell small business owners that I work with is the worst thing you can do with your financial reports is just use them for tax season, right? You don't want a bookkeeper who's just putting in things in categories that don't mean anything to you. You want to be looking at your balance sheet, your profit and loss statement, even if you don't own a business and you're talking about your personal stuff, you want to be telling yourself a story with what's happening with those with those numbers from the past so that you can start to predict what the future will look like. And for me, that's what efficiency and money is all about. It's not just knowing how it happened in the past, but how to make my future self again uh, with the, with the efficiency piece, have the most amount of money with the little amount of work uh, and the least amount of, of wasted effort or expense as possible. Mm. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big concept. This idea of wasted time and effort, which none of us like, you never feel good when you feel like you're wasting your time or your energy or your money. And so uh, being conscious of that is, is really important. And, um, you know, again, just reacting to things is not the way to manage that. And so, yeah. So, um, let us hear some of your ideas for this and, and some of the things that you tell people. Yeah. So the efficiency bit story is is kind of a silly one. Uh, my mom and I actually got into an argument when I was a teenager and I called her an efficiency bitch. <laughs> I was trying to be rude uh, and use her, use the B word in a bad way. Uh, it turned into a love language between us and my sister as well. So for the last 25 years, we've been referring each other as that. And what it's meant for the three of us is just that we're doing things in a way that's making our future self able to do the things that we love, right? I mean, everybody knows raising children is hard. Everybody knows that climbing the corporate ladder and having a career you want is hard. And so we've always kind of challenged each other to solve problems, get better every single day. Mm. And I knew I wanted to write a book about money. And actually the, the original idea for my book was about teaching parents how to talk to their children about money. Mm. My very first job in life was as a bank teller. So I spent the majority of my my life talking about money or talking about other people's money. And so that's where I originally thought I wanted to go. But as I continued to work through the process, I started to find other things that I was also interested in helping people master. And that's really where the five pillars of becoming an efficiency bitch came from. Mm -hmm. So I started using the word bitch as an acronym to define those five pillars. Um, And it's B for bank, which obviously is money. I for inbox which is the inflows and outflows of your life, whether it be from work or home or kid tasks or whatever. Uh, time is T, 
Uh, C is connection. So the way that we work with other people, where we spend our time volunteering, how we negotiate, and then H for harmony, which is the ribbon that holds it all together. Uh, I include health and happiness and uh, all of those pieces in there. The unattainable work-life balance is something I address in that chapter as well. So hopefully it it includes the whole person. Um, I specifically am speaking through the lens of a mother, which is why the the subtitle is how ambitious women can have it all without doing it all. Mm. But it certainly uh, does not exclude men by any stretch. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That is really great. Can you, um, so let's start with B for bank. Um, <laughs> do you want to give us a, a little taste of what's what's in that section? Yeah, my the, the thing that I hope people hear the most from me is that you you can't just focus on what you make. You have to know what you spend. Yeah. I know millionaires who are broke. And what I mean by that is they make three, five, seven million dollars a year and they have no money to show for it at the end. And so the way you undo that cycle is to really spend a lot of time and energy, deliberate time and energy on where you're spending your money. And once you know that, you can start to put some habits in place to make the next piece happen. Um, I have a whole check. A whole section of my chapter on bank that talks about how to really identify the money that you could be saving versus spending and how to be really deliberate with that. I also use an analogy of driving a car and you don't just look forward. You need to look behind you. You need to look side to side. You need to have an idea of where you're going. And I hold that true in money management as well. You have to look in the rearview mirror and understand what's gone right, what's gone wrong, where you've come from. You need to look in the side mirrors. You need to know what's going on in the market or maybe in politics, or is there a war happening? I mean, all of these things are so topical right now anyway. Right. Um, and then forward, how far into the future do you need to look out the front window, right? Are you looking right in front of you? Maybe sometimes if you're at a crosswalk, but most of the time you're looking further down the road. Is there another car coming or is there a stoplight? And then of course, your final destination, where are you headed? So. Mm. All of those things kind of come together in the way I look at money management and helping set yourself up for for success in the future. Yeah, thank you. I love that. Um, you know, we talk a lot about your relationship with money uh, here, which is a lot about your belief systems and your habits and mm -hmm. patterns. And I loved what you said about looking behind you because people tend emotionally, on an emotional level, people don't really want to do that. That dredges yeah. up the, you know, some anxiety, some negative feelings about yourself. You know, looking back is hard for people uh, with uh, on that topic. Looking forward is fun. Like what could be is fun. But people tend to not want to do the other, you know, looking around. Um, so, you know, and, and that really is not, that's not an intellectual thing. You can intellectualize that that's important, but emotionally it's hard to do. So what, yeah, what do you tell people about that? Well, you know, one of the things I like to highlight, particularly in the book, because it does use a word that is derogatory towards women, um, is talk about the feminist movement and some of the things that have happened over the last 100 years. And one of the things that's happened in the last 40 years, well, 45 years, is the Fair Credit Act in the United States saying that women could have a credit card for the first time. So my mother was a police officer, married and divorced before she could have a credit card in this country. I was born into a world where credit cards were allowed for me 
but that doesn't necessarily mean I was taught to use them. Mm -hmm. My mother didn't know how my grandmother certainly didn't know how my grandmother never even had a credit card. So women have generationally speaking, um, have had a very slow start to this. And in particular, learning how credit works, how credit scores work, uh, and carrying some of that emotional generational burden of not knowing how to handle money. Mm. Um, and I'm here to change that conversation and to change that that narrative completely. I want men and women to have open dialogue about money. Um, often women are starting to get closer. Not We're not equal yet, but the, but the wage gap is shrinking every year. And I do think it's time that the, that the narrative really shifts and how do you spend money? Not how do you just earn equal money, but how do you learn to control your spending so that you can earn equal wealth? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's huge. That is so interesting. Um, you know, I, I, every show I say this, but I'm talking more and more about how little we talk about money. Um, and I hear it from, from everyone. You know, I wasn't taught this. We don't talk about this. So, um, but what you're saying is interesting to me because now I'm, I'm kind of putting it in a historical perspective. And mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, men don't talk about money that much either because there's a lot of comparison and, and you know, weird things that go on there. But Women actually don't talk about money in part because they didn't have any control over it for so long. And, what you, you know, it's fairly recent, like you say, that you could have a credit card or, you know, be a mortgage holder or anything like that. Exactly. It was all up to the man anyway. And so I guess there wasn't as much to talk about. So uh, yeah. it, it's interesting when you think about that. I went to buy a car uh, last January. So January of 2022, I went to go buy a car and I was alone. My husband was at work that day and the man, you know, we got through the full negotiation and he said, would your husband be joining you to co-sign? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no, it's just me. And he looked at me like, oh, crap, I just spent all this time and this girl's not going to qualify. And then he said, well, do you have any more money or another vehicle you can put down towards the car. And I was like, you know, I'm just trading in my minivan, dude. I want my car. (laughs) And, um, and I, I just, I was a little puzzled at first about why he was being so strange. And he ran my credit score and he came back and he was said, I'm really sorry if I made you uncomfortable. And I thought, well, I wasn't uncomfortable, but I was a little confused about why you were questioning me that way. And he said, women traditionally cannot qualify for a car loan alone. They usually need a co-signer. And he said, with your credit score, I'll write you a loan for two cars. And we (laughs) laughed. And But it really impacted me. I thought, I can't be an anomaly here. Mm -hmm. It can't be that rare that a woman walks in alone to a car dealership and can't qualify for a loan. But apparently it's true. I mean, Mm -hmm. this guy does this for a living. So it really spurred... um, a fire for me to help other women learn about credit scores, to learn how to to build one, let alone repair one, right? And I think a lot of that just comes down to you don't know what you don't know. Right. And just shedding some light on that to start with, I think, is a step in the right direction. Yeah, it's very fascinating. And again, credit score is another one where you talk to people and they don't know, they don't want to know, they'll look at it later because it's going to be upsetting to look at it. It's there's so much avoidance of all of this, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting story though. I mean, it, it just kind of, I can't really wrap my brain around that this is happening today. This just doesn't make any sense to me, but it is. Yeah. I, I've done a lot of thinking on it too. And I think we're in an evolution. 
again, I mean, I did a lot of studying on the different waves of feminism. Um, obviously, when you write a, a book with the word bitch on the cover, you better damn know where it came from and you better know kind of how we got to use it. Um, and there's been multiple waves of, of feminist movements. And this is just another iteration of it. And I think it's finally one that is going to solidify things and make changes long-term. And all of them have made long-term impact. Um, the, you know, the original feminist movement was just to get us the right to vote yeah. or to own land if our husband died. Uh, the second movement was to let us have jobs and to let us play sports that weren't just uh, tennis, right? Yeah. And then the next one was really about body safety and no means no. And that's where the Me Too movement came from, um, violence against women. That's when... Um, you were able to be accused of rape if you were married to married and you could still have spousal rape was still a crime. I mean, that all happened in the 90s. And and so we're in a new era. I think we're in a new part of human evolution uh, in order to, to make this happen. I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Yeah, it's not without its upheaval, you know, because there's a lot totally. of backlash right now. I mean, yep. against women. So yeah, yep. nothing happens easily when it comes to big transformation like that. So, agreed, pretty, agreed. But I'm I'm looking forward to where it's all going. You know, I speak a lot at universities. They're my favorite place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if it's just because I like the, my reflection in their eyes. They all just seem so hungry and interested in what I have to say. But I was at a panel recently, um, and it was a women in, in consulting panel, and 50% of the audience were men. And I just thought, yes, this generation is showing up. This yeah. is impressive. And I mean, if I had done a panel for professionals in their 40s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, it would have been all women. Mm-hmm. But this group of college students showed up and it was 50% men. Either they know where the girls are <laughs> or they're really willing to listen. Or maybe it's a little bit of both. But yeah. either way, I was thrilled. No, I agree with you. I mean, my my money's on this upcoming generation, too. I have I'm so much more impressed with the way they operate and they think, even though everybody, you know, can put a negative spin on things. But um, yeah, I'm I'm waiting for them to take over. I think the world will be a better place. So I think so, too. I think so, too. Yes, yeah. Well, OK, so so what else do people need to know about uh, efficiency that they could maybe, you know, put into play right now, even before they read your book. Um, but I, I do think reading the book yeah. sounds like a great For idea. me, the, the, the inbox and time chapter go together, um, not only in the word, but also I think in the way that you think about things. I'm always encouraging people to automate, eliminate, delegate. So anything that you can automate that you don't have to think about again is going to be a step in the right direction. Um, an example that we use in our household, we have an Amazon Alexa that I program routines into. And so at 6.30 in the morning, it wakes everybody up with music every day. It At 7.05, it says, time for school. At 7.10, it says, it's really time for school. Get out the door. <laughs> at uh, at 7.30 p.m., it tells my kids it's time for dinner or not time for dinner. It's time to get ready for bed. Um, and they go brush their teeth in their pajamas. And then at 8 o'clock and Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for bed. But look, my kids aren't robots. They don't just do what the, what the other robot tells them to do. But what it does is it makes me not the timekeeper. I don't have to hold those five times in my head to remember, to look at my watch, to look at my watch. What time is it? What time is it? Do we have to get out the door? That's all off the table for me now. Now I don't have to think about that while I'm getting everything going in the morning. Um, so automation, things like this are huge. Um, and you can you don't have to do it with an Amazon Alexa, right? You can do it on your watch. You can do it on your phone. Those things already exist. They're already baked into your phone. So I'd say take advantage of those items. Um, As far as delegation, I'm a big fan of anything you can get rid of. You should, Um, you know, life is often referred to as a juggling act and you have a lot of things you have to juggle. And I'd say some of those balls are plastic and can be dropped and some of them are glass. And you need to be very careful with those glass balls, like your health, mental health and physical health. And so if you start to see that you have too many balls, you need to juggle, that you are juggling, you need to drop some of them and you need to drop the plastic ones first, obviously, otherwise you'll be in big trouble. So I'd say, take a look at things that you can delegate um, and it can be anything, really can. You can delegate anything you want. People delegate their bookkeeping to me all the time. That's what I'm in business for. Um, I delegate some of my marketing efforts to other people, right? Right. I delegate some housework to some folks. You can delegate things any way that is comfortable. Um, and, And that's where I think money also really starts to come into play is that if you know how you're spending your money, you know how you can afford to buy yourself some extra time Mm -hmm. through things like delegation. And then the final is elimination. I think really making a list of the things that you do that don't serve you anything, meaning they don't make you money, they don't make you happy, and they just add chaos to your life. Those are the things you need to eliminate. I certainly had plenty of those things when my children were very little. I felt like I had to be the PTO president and Girl Scout troop leader and kindergarten room mom. And and none of that stuff was fulfilling for me. Mm -hmm. I don't particularly like kids. I mean, I like mine, but I don't like other people's kids. So I don't know what I was doing, doing all these things at the school, right? So I use that as an example. If you love being with kids, go be with kids and find somebody else to sweep your floors. Other people love to clean. If you're a business owner and you love putting things out there to show your product on social media, hire somebody to do your bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. If, you know, we all have our, our passion and we all have the things that we're good at. And rather than listening to some invisible audience tell you what you should be doing or have to do, um, really make those lists for yourself and eliminate the things that, that you can. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, oh, there's so much there. Um, 
<laughs> One thing I want to go back to is when and how to delegate to a bookkeeper, because I get that question a lot, because I'm trying to encourage people to get to know their money and pay attention mm-hmm. to it and, you know, understand it. But pretty quickly, I, I don't think they should be doing all the, you know, data entry and everything else. And and sometimes they get attached to that or they think they need to. So I want to I want to come back to that. But um, but what you were saying is so important, you know, if you don't like being a room mom, you shouldn't feel like you should, you know, you've got to do that to like show up for whoever. Um, but if you do like it, you should. And I think the problem yeah. is kind of that age old question of what do you want? And people don't, I, I think women especially don't know what they want. Um, although I've talked to plenty of men too who don't know what they want. It's just, it's a hard question. So when you say, mm-hmm. do the things you want to do, sometimes we're just not that clear on what that is. So, And that's okay too. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to change your mind. Yeah. Try something. I didn't know that I didn't want to be a kindergarten room mom until I was one. And I have three kids. I only made that mistake with the first kid, right? <laughs> you live and you learn. You figure it out. You take one step at a time. And that goes with anything. Um, it's okay to change your mind. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's it's okay to change your mind and to try new things. And don't let anybody tell you differently. Right. Yeah. And that's especially um, true with career things. You know, people are so mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, I need to get it right. I need to pick the right company and the right job. And I mean, I I probably felt that way, too, when I got out of school, but I so don't feel that way now. It's like more important just to try things, get experience, see what you like and don't like, you know, work. Yeah, I agree with that completely. My my bachelor's degree is in hotel restaurant management. Mm -hmm. I mean, I spent 20 years in the hospitality industry, but in finance. Right. But when I went to school, finance was the last thing on my mind. I didn't think about accounting. In fact, I'd failed the first accounting class I ever took. And now it's my profession. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's I'm okay to change your mind. I mean, I have a criminal justice degree from ASU, from Arizona. And, um, oh, is that right? Never did I take an accounting or finance class until I started doing white-collar crime investigative work. And then they're like, you need to know a little accounting. And then I loved it, which is such a surprise. Yeah. I thought I would hate it. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah, that's good. And you had a question about when to delegate your bookkeeping. Correct. Um, I would say... The moment that you don't like it is probably a good time to get rid of it. Um, And I'd I'd also like to say that there are different types of bookkeepers available for small businesses. You can find bookkeepers. In fact, the pandemic really did create more bookkeepers because you could get things like QuickBooks Online certified and call yourself a bookkeeper. Um, But I know plenty of bookkeepers that don't know the difference between debits and credits and how to book journal entries. And you can really get yourself in trouble if you don't know how to read your financial reports. So before you do anything else, I'd say learn what you're where you're starting, like get your balance sheet and get your bookkeeper or somebody else. You can call me to read what the report says. It tells a story. Your balance sheet will tell a story. Your P&L will tell a story. And if that doesn't line up to what you think is happening in your business, you have a bookkeeping problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can really start to make some adjustments. I have plenty of clients that come to us for fractional CFO work. They call us and just say, I want one hour a month with you. I want you to read me my financial reports. Teach me. Those are my favorite clients because they want to learn. Right. And then a lot of times we end up figuring out that the bookkeeper hasn't been doing something or some things in the right way, misclassifying revenue or leaving things on the balance sheet. Um, And then we end up kind of doing an overhaul. And 
once you have everything cleaned up and you understand it, it really becomes quite simple. And I have a passion for it. I'm doing a free, um, like no sales pitch. I just, just honestly something I, I want to practice public speaking, first mm. of all, but also I want people to learn. And so in my community, um, just this Thursday, I'm going to do a free event where I teach 30 small business owners how to read their balance sheet mm. and how to read their PL. It's just, it's something that you don't open your business thinking, yes, I can't wait to read my PL. Like nobody says that. So <laughs> you have to go out of your way to try to learn it. You really do. There's there's no other way. I love that. And thank you for sharing that. I, we'll put that in the show notes. So you'll, you'll have to give me the link afterwards. But um, yeah, that's great. That's a wonderful thing for people to know. And if you think it's not important to know how to read your PL, you know, think again, because uh, like you said, it tells a story. And if you're missing that story, you'll keep moving down roads that are continuing a story you may not like. And it's yeah. really that those numbers, uh, if you don't think of them, uh, as something negative in your life. I mean, they really are designed to map things out, like you said, so that you can go forward to some future goal that you have. And yeah. and without them, you're really missing a lot of markers that you need along the way. So yeah, including the possibility of paying way too much income tax when you don't need to. I mean, not knowing things can really cost you a lot of money down the road. Um, you need to be able to accurately forecast your your income and your expenses so that you can pay estimated taxes. If you don't do that properly, the IRS can fine you right. and or you could be overpaying and giving the IRS a free loan. I mean, there's so many things mm -hmm. that I try not to overwhelm people with it, but just know that having somebody help you with those areas and you need multiple professionals. It's one of the things yes. I get a lot is I need an accountant. What do you need from your accountant? Right. I, I don't know. I just need I need somebody to do my money. And you're like, <laughs> do what to your money? <laughs> I mean, people just assume that there's, there's one type of person to manage money. And I'll say there's oftentimes, at least the clients I work with typically have a bookkeeper. They have a CFO. Sometimes I'm both of them. Sometimes I'm one of them. Um, they have a CPA usually who will file their taxes for them, or they're using something like TurboTax or H&R Block in some cases. Um, I always recommend that people have wealth managers, mm -hmm. people who are going to help you look at um, retirement plans and investment strategies and things like this. You need multiple people who are experts at what they do, and you need them to work together mm -hmm. to help educate you, you, educate you on your own situation, but also help make you the most efficient with your money that you can be for the future. Yeah, that's an efficiency point for sure, because what happens typically is, you know, people either don't have all those people on their team, which they do need. You're you're exactly right. And um, but if they do have them, then they're the only person that, you know, it's like you're in the middle of the wheel and the different spokes are talking to you, but then you have to communicate everything to the others. And sometimes mm -hmm. that doesn't work that well. And so if you can manage to get everybody on a call or in some kind, you know, connecting with one another, because those professionals, your tax accountant and your wealth advisor are going to have a different conversation than you're going to have with your bookkeeper, for example. So absolutely. Yeah. And people always ask me, how do I, I don't, I don't give any tax advice or file taxes. It's not something that I do. And the reason is it's a very complicated yes. uh, job with a lot of details to understand. My expertise is in another very complicated 
detailed area of expertise. And you want those two people to work together. We often speak the same language, but there are differences and nuances to the things that we do. And right. so my clients will often say to me, how do I find a good CPA? And my answer is find somebody who will ask you questions and who wants to talk to me. Yeah, You don't want a CPA who's just going to fill out what you give them and hand you back a a tax return. Mm -hmm. You also don't want a CPA who doesn't want to know what your CFO or your bookkeeper is saying, because you want somebody who cares about the full picture. And just like everything, not all bookkeepers, not all CPAs, not all, not all professionals are created equal. Do some shopping, find somebody that you trust to give you some referrals and uh, and ask, shop, ask questions, and you'll find the one that fits. Don't just always take the first one. Yeah, absolutely. And asking questions is how you'll learn more and expand your knowledge, too, because people, again, feel uncomfortable asking questions about a topic they don't know that much about, but that's how Mm -hmm. you would learn. And people like you, who are the providers of these services, should be excited that you're asking questions and give you good answers. If you're getting answers that you can't even understand, you know, that's not probably the right person for you. They're not willing to explain things well. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. My, like I said, my favorite part of my job is in the CFO space and it's where I get to help business owners learn about their financials, but it's also, you want your CFO to have a big network. So if you should be able to go to your CFO and say, I need a new lawyer, I need a new CPA, or I need a new website person. I mean, you want your CFO to to have buy-in with your organization in a way that feels like they're part owner. And and I treat all of my clients in that way. There's a lot, the, the fractional uh, CFOs, C, CMO, the chief marketing officers are really becoming more popular. And I think it's a really cool thing for small business owners to take advantage of that wasn't there five, 10 years ago. It used to be if you couldn't afford to pay somebody full time to be your chief financial officer, you weren't getting one. Right. Um, And the benefit for us is we're getting to see a lot of industries. I have clients all over the country from Florida to Hawaii and everything in between. And we're getting to learn from multiple industries and bring that expertise into each of them, which is really cool. Um, And it's a pretty it's a pretty hybrid way of doing things that that seems to be pretty mutually beneficial. Yeah. And when you describe it that way, you realize there's benefit to using a fractional CFO versus hiring your own because they're just, you Mm -hmm. know, they're kind of isolated from all of this. So um, for people who don't know what a fractional CFO is, um, because some people might not have heard that term, can you just describe that real quick? Yeah. So a chief financial officer, typically for a large organization, is going to be somebody who reads financial reports, makes uh, decisions on on those financial reports, looks into the future from a budgeting perspective or a forecasting perspective or a cash flow perspective, and really helps to make some smart decisions with that money, whether it be helping guide somebody into investment or helping you decide when you can hire a new employee or when you can afford to buy more more inventory of something. A fractional CFO is something that helps you in the amount of time that you need. So one business owner might need one hour a month. One business owner might need 10 hours a month. Um, And so really just being available to those business owners as needed um, and then being able to, the benefit to us, the benefit to a fractional CFO is that we make up a full-time job with. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 20 clients mm-hmm. where the benefit to the business is you're only paying what you need rather than having to pay full time. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. It actually makes you think how ridiculous it is to think that you will get to the point where you can afford a, you know, a full-time employee yeah. who's a CFO no. if you don't have any CFO services along the way until you, I mean, how are you going to get there? So, that's right. And CFOs are expensive because yeah. they're they're really experienced people. I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years. My partner's been doing this for 20 years. So you're not going to find a CFO who's willing to work for $50,000 a year. That's just not enough money. But when you're able to break it down into 20 or 30 clients, it becomes, like I said, mutually beneficial to everybody where you're getting that level of high expertise, but you're only paying for what you need Mm -hmm. versus having to try to work for something that's... um, you get what you pay for in a lot of cases. And yeah. so it's a nice way to be able to work for those two things together. Yeah. And I love that you're bringing this up because the financial world is full of people with specific expertise and, and specialty areas that can help you. And we tend to think mm-hmm. of it as this scary world that we don't understand. And, you know, people maybe can't, there aren't people who can help us. We're too, whatever, small, you know, um, and really, there are there are a lot of wonderful financial people who will help you to grow your business or your individual wealth in in ways that you can't really know about until you start digging in and finding them and talking to them. Yeah, it's so true. People feel so exposed talking about money, um, and I get that. I really do. And I think, I think, like I said earlier, my first job in life was as a bank teller at 16 years old, and I knew nothing about money at the time. Um, But I did very quickly learn about the phenomenon of Paycheck Friday. I mean, this was in the 90s, so there was no ATMs. Everybody would show up to a branch on a Friday afternoon in order to cash their paycheck. And I started to learn really quickly that these adults that were coming in didn't know what they were doing with their money. People would come in with a blank checkbook and say, I need to take money out. And I was like, your bank account is zero. And they're like, but I have checks. And So I could tell from a very young age that there was no understanding really of how money worked. And so it really just ignited a lot of um, excitement and passion for me. But I think the most important thing I picked up is that people feel very vulnerable talking about money. Mm -hmm. And I I would just like to reassure anyone listening that we do this all the time. It's we're not looking at your money or, or thinking about you in a way that is negative or shaming the way you might feel about yourself. This is what we do as a profession. So just like a doctor, mm-hmm. you know, listens to hearts all day or an OB delivers babies all day like that. That's what we do. So it's um, it's not it's not something that we re- we analyze in a way that is shameful or embarrassing, I guess, to the person receiving it, as it as it probably feels to start. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I was sort of like stupidly grinning this whole time. But it was because while you were talking, I was imagining my husband, who really, frankly, doesn't know a lot either. And, you know, I, I take care of a lot of things. And I, I try to teach him. I mean, it's not like I want to keep him in the dark. It's not really that interesting. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I think one day he had to do a wire transfer or something. And so he had to go in and 
um, I was just laughing in my head because he would have had one of those really naive conversations with the doesn't know his accounts, doesn't know what a wire transfer is, like trying to navigate yeah. that with the teller. So actually, I mean, the tellers can be very good sources of information for you if you're willing to ask them some questions. And again, it comes yes. back to that. But yeah, yeah super interesting. Um, so, okay, we're, uh, we're going to run out of time here. This is so, you're, you're a pleasure to talk to and, um, and a wealth of information. So as far as efficiency, bitch, what, what last parting words do you have for us based on your book or, you know, things that we should know here? Yeah, I guess the final thing is that I would like to say is if you're, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about, can you have it all? I'd say absolutely. Absolutely, you can have it all, but remember that you can't do it all and you need to get help, whether that be with your finances or with the way you spend your time or the way you manage your inbox. Those things will ultimately help you have the life that you want and will be able to guide you down that path. And that's really what Efficiency Bitch is all about. Um, it's a very positive book. It's a very uplifting book, I think. <laughs> it's very short. It's very efficient. It's about 130 pages. And I just recorded for Audible about two weeks ago. So very, very soon, it by the end of March of 2023, it will be available on, on Audible as well. I love that. I love Audible. I listen to it all the time. And now that you've talked about having Alexa help you with things, um, I haven't. She does read my Audible books a lot, but I hadn't thought of doing any of those things that you mentioned. So I love that. And um, and I love that it's coming out on Audible. I I like to have a hard copy so I can like mark it up or whatever. But Mm -hmm. I love to listen to these kinds of books. So that's really great. Me too. It It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. And. so that's terrific, and uh, I'm so happy that you're you're doing it that way as well. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's important to live your life intentionally in the way that you want it to be, and I feel like mm-hmm. you know your book is going to help a lot of people to do that more. Thank you. Um, I hope so. That's the plan, anyway. Yeah. No, that's. <laughs> and you know what? If it doesn't, it helped me a lot. So <laughs> I'm going to take it that way. <laughs> that's great. Sometimes that's... you just have to do something for yourself, and this absolutely was one of the best experiences. Writing a book, learning to promote a book, and self self PR is a very difficult thing to do. Self promotion, mm-hmm. um, but it's all been incredible learning lessons for me. And I really have enjoyed the process. So thank you for having me on and letting me share about it. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure. And how can people get a hold of you for many of the different things you have going on? Speaking, yeah, efficiency uh, bitches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're all over the place. Um, efficiencybitch.com is probably the easiest to remember for most people. Uh, we also have two cents consulting.com, but I would say efficiencybitch.com is the fastest and easiest to remember. We're on all the social media channels. Um, should be pretty easy to find. Yeah. And I love that you're speaking at universities and helping younger people too to, uh, to hear some of this. Uh, it, it's really great to figure some of these things out sooner rather than later. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I'll be listening and, and reading, especially that inbox chapter. And I don't know, maybe all of them, actually. But that one, my inbox drives me nuts. That's one of my big complaints. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the inboxes of life just like never seem to end. Mm-hmm. So in, in my podcast, which is also called Efficiency Bitch, each episode is a B-I-T-C-H. So you can just binge listen to all the I's and then you'll, oh, you'll know what that. to do. 
Okay, I will. I'll do some of that on my way home today. So, well, Melissa, thank you so very much for being here. And um, audience, thank you for being here. And we look forward to sharing in the show notes uh, Melissa's information and her upcoming uh, class on Thursday, her book, all the stuff. So uh, please get in touch with her. Please get in touch with me. You can contact me at michelle at limitfreelife.com if you have uh, questions about uh, really anything or suggestions for the show. Um, you know, I help people with career transition, with business growth and with money and your relationship with money, how to make that better. So emotionally, psychologically, you're ready and willing to really relate to your money and look at these numbers that Melissa is talking about. I, I'd, I'd love to help you get there. I have an upcoming money date class coming up uh, toward the end of March. And if you join my newsletter list, you'll get all the information on that. So you can do that at limitfreelife.com. So thank you for being here. You can find us at ubngo.com at seven o'clock on Monday evenings. And, uh, then we'll be showing up on all the podcast platforms that you might listen to and Roku and Limit Free Life YouTube channel and a bunch of different places. And so please, uh, take a look, give us a like or a review if you're so inclined and we'll see you next week.